we're in a series that we have called 50, and we've called it 50 because there was 50 days um, from the day Christ Jesus was uh, crucified, which was Passover, to the day the Holy Spirit was released after Jesus ascended into heaven in the first few chapters of Acts, um, and that was the day of Pentecost. So we're looking at those 50 days, and specifically, we're looking at the question, how can we as believers um, have more of the Holy Spirit when we already have everything in Christ? So we're where we are today um, is we're in Acts 2, and we're going to start with Peter's uh, sermon in Acts 2. We're going to read verses 14 uh, through 21, and then we're going to jump down to the end and read verses 36 through 38. And, you know, honestly, as I got into studying this, I went, man, we could probably do four or five weeks just on this sermon because there's a chunk from Joel in the Old Testament that's just really powerful. Then you got a chunk out, of, chunk out of Psalms 16 and a chunk out of Psalms 10. And then and some of our theology, a lot of our theology really on, on what it means to be a Christian and to walk with Jesus comes and is laid in, in Peter's sermon here. So um, really profound. Um, and we get to sit and watch as the New Testament church is literally birthed. So the first church the first pastor, um, here it is. And, and we sort of have this front row seat um, on this Mother's Day. So let's uh, start reading. We're gonna read in Acts 2, verses 14 to 21, and then I'm gonna jump down to the end, verses 36 through 38. I'm reading out of an ESV translation this morning. Uh, so here's what it says, verse 14. But Peter, standing with the 11, so that's the 11 apostles, lifted up his voice uh, and addressed them men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. So let me, let me just go back and recap just a second. Um, we have just uh, experienced the Holy Spirit coming in Pentecost. If you were with us last week, we preached through that, the, the, the flames of fire, the wind going through. And literally there's such exuberance in this infilling of the Holy Spirit that everyone um, floods out onto the streets of Jerusalem and Peter begins to preach. And Peter uh, has never preached before. So, so this is the first pastor, the first sermon, the first church. Um, here it is, it all, it all starts. So Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose since it is only uh, the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Now, I'm not gonna dig too deep into this, but it is fascinating to me because Peter did not have the time, he didn't have the theology, he didn't have the training, he didn't have the experience to really um, pull out of the prophet Joel what he's about to pull out. So it truly is supernatural that he even digs back and pulls this out of the book of Joel. But here's what it says. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares... I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. Now, I gotta pause here because this is so profound and we're, this isn't really the essence of the message today, but what Joel is literally writing here is like a sociological overhaul. And then Peter also is writing a sociological overhaul. And for some reason, um, Christianity has sort of gotten um, a, a bad rap and probably its modern versions of it aren't as, uh, or cannot be as um, 
encouraging of women in leadership and in positions of significant spiritual authority. But I want to actually tell you, here is Joel, probably some 900 years before Christ Jesus, um, literally saying he's tearing down the difference between male and female, um, servants and people who aren't servants. It's like a, he, he is literally commanding this sociological revolution. And then Peter picks up on it, um, maybe some 900 years later, we're not sure exactly. And if you look at the life of Christ, he's the same way. So it's fascinating that it is Mother's Day. And I just wanna say, look at this. What is being declared is that he will pour out his spirit on men and women, um, on old people, on young people, on people who are servants, on people who aren't. It's like, it's this, it's this leveling that happens at the foot of the cross. So absolutely brilliant. And then it goes on to say, verse 19, I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood, fire, vapors of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent Day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's an exact quote um, coming out of the book of Joel. And uh, then I wanna flip down to verse 36. Uh, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ. Now Christ is kind of like a title that means king. So a lot of times you'll hear me say King Jesus and that's kind of why I'm saying that. But this Jesus whom you crucified, verse 37, now they heard this and they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, would you enliven our hearts today? Father, would you take us back and give us understanding about this passage, not uh, for understanding itself, but so that you can actually change and transform our lives here today. Holy Spirit, would you interact with us? Would you change us and would you fill us? In the wonderful name of your Son, Christ Jesus, we pray, amen. Okay. So, I mean, here, here's, I think, the, the, the question that we have to wrestle with as we look at this passage is, in 50 short days, um, Peter, uh, sitting around um, a campfire in, in uh, a, a little courtyard area, denies Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And the first two times are actually to this little servant um, girl. He is filled with such fear um, and sort of such dread. And he goes from kind of the bottom of the barrel in 50 short days denying um, Christ Jesus to preaching the first sermon, pastoring the first church, um, and and launching sort of the, the New Testament church. And not only that, he preaches a sermon where at the very end of it, verse 41 actually says, those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So he goes from uh, literally cowering in a courtyard around this little fire um, uh, to this little servant girl to all of a sudden preaching with this great boldness. So I think the question is, what transformed Peter? Like what actually happened uh, to change in his heart? I mean, I mean, how do you actually go from cowering and hiding and denying Christ to being the first pastor of the first church, preaching the first sermon and seeing 3,000 people surrender their lives to Jesus? I mean, that is... Um, 
just fascinating to me. And, and probably when you think of him as a fisherman, he's probably arrogant, he's proud, he's you know, self-sufficient, maybe a touch narcissistic, but he is, he is literally um, transformed. And so that's what I wanna look at today. And I'll use some of my story, and you may even think of some of your story, and you may be out there watching us today, and you may have never met this Jesus, and you actually may be looking at your life going, I would love to experience a transformation. So I wanna invite you to come on this journey with me for the next few minutes and let's look at the way that Peter was actually transformed. So my first point um, is that Peter is literally turned into another man. Peter's turned into another man. And the question then is how? So I'm digging back through the Old Testament and I'm looking at the Hebrew verb um, naba. It's really interesting, Hebrew verb naba. And it occurs 115 times and it literally means the spirit of prophecy that sort of descends on someone when they then speak um, on behalf of God. And so it's, it's fascinating to me because I uh, pulled up 1 Samuel 10, 6. I love this little passage. Um, but 1 Samuel, Samuel 10, 6 says, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy, nada, with them and you will be changed into a new person. Now, this little passage comes out of um, the prophet Samuel and Samuel has been told by uh, God to go and anoint a guy named Saul as king. And so Samuel literally anoints him, pours oil over the, the head of this uh, young guy named Saul and he says, you're gonna be the next king. And when the spirit comes upon you, you're gonna prophesy and you will literally be changed into a different person. So the first thing that I want you to actually get here is Peter is turned into um, a new man. Peter did go through this transformation and, and Jesus, the very gospel from Genesis to Revelation, invites us all into that same transformation, into that sort of transformed life or you could even think of it like this, it's like the exchanged life. So when you come to a point in your own life where you realize that you're bankrupt and you're void and you can't do it on your own and you're not good enough and you can't clean your life up enough and you can't pray enough and you can't be kind enough and you, you're not gonna measure up to a holy God. You come and you, you actually give your life, you surrender your life uh, to Jesus and you give him your old life and then Jesus gives you his new life. So there's this supernatural exchange that sort of happens. So Jesus gets the old Michael and, and Michael gets Jesus. And that it's in that sort of supernatural transformation that you, you literally see, um, probably like a Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but now Jesus lives in me. So literally what we see here is Peter um, is turned into another man. I mean, Peter literally goes through a transformation and, and exchanges his life. And I think the other thing that would be really important to point out here is this is a, this is a one-time thing, so this is like a first-time thing, and then this is an everyday thing. So let me get practical with you for just a second. I'm having an interaction with Abby, and all of a sudden my wife is named Abby, and I love her dearly. And all of a sudden, I don't like my emotions or where I am or my headspace or what's happening inside of me. I can actually surrender again to Christ Jesus and say, Lord, would you fill me 
um, and would you change me? And I have to remind myself sometimes that I've been crucified with Christ. So, you know, I talk a lot about five-year journals and in my five-year journal, um, I actually have a, a list of morning declarations that I declare over myself every morning. And one of them is that I remind myself that Michael's gone, he is no longer here. I've exchanged Michael's life for the life of Christ and Christ Jesus now lives in me and through me. So it's a one-time thing, but then it's a daily thing. So when people say things like, Michael, have you been saved? I go, well, yeah, 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 I've been saved, but I'm also being saved and I will be saved. And I'd say the same thing to being filled with the Spirit. Have you been filled with the Spirit? Yeah, yeah, I have, but I'm also being filled and I will be filled. So we get this first point that Peter literally transforms um, into a new man, uh, not just that day, but, but every day. So I was trying to think back to one of the most powerful times in my life where I witnessed the transformation of other people. And it was fascinating because um, Abby and I led a summer camp for seven or eight years. And in this summer camp, um, sometimes we'd have 150 up to 250 or so um, campers that would come and there'd be 50 to 75 staff members depending on the summer. And what began to happen is we created this environment where, where um, the campers um, were, were given an opportunity to surrender their life to Jesus. And so we're literally working to disciple the young adults that are working with us. We're leading campers to Jesus, but we're doing it all in fun. I mean, we're, we're experiencing all kinds of stuff from horseback riding to surfing to basketball to everything in between. And what began to happen is we started getting um, like notes and letters and emails and Facebook messages. And we'd have parents literally going, uh, something has transformed in the life of my child or my teenager, and all of a sudden they're a new person. Like, they're all of a sudden being kind to their siblings, or they're being respectful to us, or it's like, what have you done with them? And I would literally have parents come and knock on my office and go, what has happened? Because they're different. And I wanna say to you today that being different is possible, and it's not possible in your own steam or your own self-effort. No, no, I'm not saying clean yourself up. No, I'm saying exchange your life. You come to the point where you go, Lord Jesus, take this old life, and would you give me your new life? Would you do this supernatural exchange and let me live out of the very life of Christ Jesus? So my first point is Peter literally turned into another man that day when the Spirit of God descended upon him. My second point this morning is that love transforms. And um, love transforms hearts, love transforms lives. And my favorite part of the Christian faith is that it's this great love story. And you know, uh, there's this place in Israel on the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. It's this little place called Mensa Christi. And it's, it's, a, it's very special to me because um, it's at that place where Jesus was sitting and started a, a little fire on the beach. And it's after Jesus had been um, crucified, dead, buried, and he was resurrected. And he was looking for Peter. He was out to find Peter. And he was sitting on the beach around this little campfire. And Peter saw him, was out fishing, and they realized it was Jesus. And Peter jumped out of the boat and swam in. And what unfolds is this, um, this powerful uh, sort of love-filled interaction between uh, Christ Jesus and, and Peter. So this is a risen Christ Jesus. And uh, this, it's an interaction where Jesus um, sort of reinstates Peter. You get to see this tremendous love that Jesus has for Peter as he um, sort of puts him back together because Peter's denied Jesus and has just kind of given up and gone, you know what, I'm going fishing. 
And if I was um, a little bit vulnerable today, I was, I was also in my five-year journal just looking in the last few days, and I literally just came across where three years ago I was in Mensa Christi. I was standing on that exact beach. And it was like Jesus did something even in my own heart to reinstate me. And, and the love of God literally transforms a human heart and can then ignite you uh, sort of with fire, set your feet on the rock um, and, and transform you. So I think the other thing that I love about that little moment is Peter is, is literally, uh, when he denied Jesus, he was sitting around a campfire in a courtyard and he denied him three times. And when Jesus reinstated Peter, he brought him back to a campfire, the crackle of the fire, the smell of the smoke. It's like he brought him back to that same place where he uh, sort of gave it all, where he denied Christ and he, in Jesus literally reinstates him. It was, it was actually like that for me sitting on the beach at Mensa Christi. I'd come out of a hard time in my own life and it was like Jesus reinstated me and set me on the path of ministry. So love transforms. First Corinthians 13 says love is patient, love is kind, love never fails. So when you look at how does God transform a life, he does it through his love. He does it through his um, patient and yet consistent love. So let's ask this question, how did God transform your life? How did he reach you? How did he reach me? It's through that patient, consistent pursuit and love. You know, you might even ask this morning, how, how would I transform the life of my spouse or a family member or a child? And I would look at you first and I would say, well, number one, you can't. But what you can do is begin to participate with the Lord Jesus in loving and consistently, patiently serving, loving, waiting, praying, and giving tons of freedom because love transforms. Love transforms individuals. The other thing I want you to see here is love actually transforms cities. I mean, we, literally what we see is all of a sudden the, the Holy Spirit descends, Peter comes out and preaches this sermon and literally 3,000 people in the city of Jerusalem give their life to Jesus and are baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. The city of Jerusalem is radically shifted forever and in 30 short years, sort of the concentric circles from that roll out in many ways on the back of a guy named Paul um, and, and churches are planted and it reaches Rome in 30 years. It's absolutely remarkable to me. God uses love to transform individuals like Peter, like me, like you. God uses love to actually transform cities. And you know, one of the things I was thinking about this week is we've had this little funny yellow coffee truck out and it's, in some ways it's just like, it's this silly little canary yellow 1966 coffee truck. But in another way, it becomes a tool to actually get out and share the love of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the joy and the hope that Jesus has brought into us. So I was over at um, New Hanover Hospital and we were serving the nurses the other night and I was amazed because nurses are literally driving around this little circle and we're simply giving a cup of coffee. We're just saying, hey, thank you for serving. Thanks for risking your life in a crisis. Thank you for being present. And we just wanna you know, literally bless you with a <clears throat> excuse me, cup of coffee. And I'm looking at people's eyes and they're literally crying. There's tears streaming down certain people's faces and there's people just overwhelmed. Why would you be here and why are you doing this? And there's uh, sort of some of the organizers are over talking to us going, what is it that you are gonna just give coffee away and just say thank you? Like we, we don't quite understand. 
And it's literally, the, the, it's love that transforms cities. It's love that transforms people. And you know, we were out there the other night and I, I think that uh, some four people got prayed for, which isn't really the goal of the coffee truck. The goal of the coffee truck, truck is just to open the door to generate relationship and to let the Lord sort of move that person towards faith in Jesus. But I was thinking, there's this guy um, named James F. Engel and he wrote a, a scale called the Engel Scale. And uh, then a guy named Tom Rayner, who, who um, is, is uh, also an author, um, he added the faith scale to it. So what that sort of um, indicates or shows is the pathway of decisions that a person goes through to making a decision for Christ and then how they move from there towards sort of like a discipled or um, more mature faith in Christ Jesus. And I was thinking about this little coffee truck going, you know, is this coffee truck gonna actually ever carry anyone over the line in terms of is it gonna cause anyone to surrender their life to Jesus? Maybe not. But what it certainly does is move people one, two, three, four, or even five notches on that angle scale because all of a sudden a real person is being handed a cup of coffee and just going, hey, bless you. We love you. We're grateful for you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for serving. And that's the sort of the idea behind this thing is that um, we get our uh, sort of our people um, outward focused, out serving and loving to transform individuals and to transform a city. So my first point this morning is Peter literally is transformed into another man like you can be, like I can be. And then it's love uh, literally transforms individuals, love transforms cities. And I think the third point that I wanna make to you this morning is literally the end of Peter's sermon. It, It says here in verse 21, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's my third point. And John 4.19 reminds us that we love God because of his lavish love for us. You know, I was also thinking as I prepared for this that uh, there's a guy named St. Saint Francis of Assisi, and he's often misquoted, and he's misquoted uh, as saying, preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. And when you look at Assisi's life, um, he actually spent a great deal of time um, using words to preach. He was actually known to travel sometimes through four or five villages per day, and he'd stand up on hay bales, he'd stand in the country, he'd sit at granaries, he would stand up on steps to a public building, but he would literally preach and preach and preach and you know the quote is a good quote I think in some ways because it's focused on sort of religious people um, who, who preach uh, or say one thing but their lives maybe don't match there's a disintegration in who they are outside and who they are inside and so even though he didn't say it I do like the quote because he's literally saying our lives or the quote is sort of suggesting that we should preach all the time and I would say to you every one of us are tasked with the responsibility of carrying the gospel of Christ Jesus at all times. If you're in Jesus today, you are called to carry the gospel of Christ Jesus. If you're in him, then he's in you. And you're called to preach it with your words, you're called to preach it with your life, you're called to live it with everything you do. You know, our lives should literally become salt and light. If we've truly been transformed by Jesus, then we become awfully salty in the way we live. You know, the name Saltbox Church actually came from that same trip to Israel. 
and I was standing at the place where Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. It was, it's up on a big hill and it overlooks sort of the Sea of Galilee and there's this big natural stone amphitheater that goes up and uh, it's amazing because the acoustics there are, are such that you can stand at the, at the kind of the heart of that big natural stone amphitheater and you can speak in a normal voice and the acoustics of the lake are such that it carries it all the way up and a crowd of some 10,000 men, women, and children could have gathered and heard Jesus as he called them to be salt and light. And you know, every kitchen um, in antiquity literally had a salt box. So Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount called everyone to become salt and light, to be salt and light in the world around them. And then in the old uh, kitchens of old, there was literally a salt box. And there was that, that, that salt box was meant so that salt could be taken out and dispersed meant to flavor foods, meant to preserve things, meant to sanitize, meant to clean. Um, it, it was meant used to heal wounds, it was used to add flavor. But I literally remember standing on the shores of the lake that day and looking out at the Sea of Galilee and going, sensing the call for us to become salt and light in the city of Wilmington, to uh, embrace the revelation that Jesus does in fact transform lives, that Jesus does transform us through love. He transforms individuals through love. He transforms cities through love. And that everyone who comes to Christ Jesus, who calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. So here's really where I probably want to end this morning is if you, are in Jesus, then Jesus is also in you. And you might come this morning to this little broadcast and you may go, I don't like who I've become. I don't like where I am. And I wanna invite you once again to lay it all down. You may have already surrendered your life to Jesus, but this might be just another step in your journey. Or it might be that you're scrolling through Facebook or somewhere else and you're seeing this message and you go, you know what, I've never surrendered my life to Christ Jesus for the first time. I have never actually come to that place where I've laid it all down. You may even look at yourself like Peter looked at himself, kind of like a scoundrel, like I'm not worthy to walk with Jesus. I'm not worthy to be a messenger of the gospel of Christ Jesus. It might be like the way Jesus sat around that campfire with Peter and reinstated him and said, Peter, feed my sheep. How is it that God can take a person who's denied him, who's hated him, who's turned their back on him, and God can take that person and transform that person and use that person to become a messenger for the light and the hope and the truth and the peace of the gospel of Christ Jesus? You might be sitting out there this morning and going, Michael, you have no idea what I've done, and you have no idea what I am and who I've become, and I would say, listen to me, Jesus will take you wherever you are and he will begin to transform your life. So let's pray together and if that's you, if you need to surrender your life to the first, for the first time, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. But also if you're a believer and you would go, there are things that I need to surrender to Jesus. There's things about the way I'm interacting with my neighbors or my family or my spouse or my kids that I need to bring to him. I wanna bring you a message of hope and say he transforms. So let's pray. The first thing we're gonna do is if you need to surrender your life to Jesus, let's pray. The second thing is if there's some part of your life that you need to surrender again or afresh or at a deeper level, I wanna invite you to do that with us. 
So pray with us if you need to surrender your life to Jesus. Father, on this Mother's Day, here we are gathered in a virtual world, which is very strange. But Lord, what I love about this virtual world is people from all over can pass through and see everything scrolling by. And there's opportunity for many, many people who may not know you to see you, to see the gospel preached. And so Father, for everyone out there who would go, I need to come to Jesus and I actually need to exchange my old life for your life, for the life of Christ, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I've come to recognize that I'm a sinner and that I need you. And so on this day, I wanna bring you my life and I wanna exchange it for your life. Lord, would you come into me? Would you fill me? Lord, I surrender my heart to you. Would you fill me with your spirits? Would you empower me, Father? And then for the second group, if you're out there today and you would go, I have just gotten crusty and my heart has gotten sort of yuck. Lord, for that group, would you meet them on this day? And Father, would you call them deeper? Would you remind us all that you are the great uh, transformer, that you transform people, that you take us and change us, that love does change things, that you draw us and shift us and shape us. Lord Jesus, would you bless every person who's watching this? Lord, would you fill us, would you mold us, and would you make us? In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.